Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Mega, mega, mega. 
thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. I'm your host, Rory Sodder. It's great to be with all of you. Uh, we have a huge show tonight. We have a YouTube star spokesperson for Men's Rights Edmonton and contributor to AVoiceForMen.com, Karen Stray- Strahan, uh, calling in. Very excited. We also have political strategist, Islamic historian, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, Dan Perkins will be calling in. Uh, Mike Zola will be joining us uh, momentarily, as always. Uh, big show today, though. Uh, we have a lot going on. Uh, President Trump, uh, to start, I want to play a quick clip. President Trump honored law enforcement today, and it was a, a very beautiful thing. Um, and uh, he, he paid tribute to our, our fallen officers who have dedicated their service and their lives uh, to our country, and uh, you know we owe them everything with 100 percent. I mean they're made unbelievably uh, brave uh, people. I'll tell you. Uh, one five quick. If we want to bring down violent crime, then we must stand up for our police. We must confront and condemn dangerous anti-police prejudice. Can you believe this prejudice? With respect to our police, we're not going to let bad things happen to our police. So we must show appreciation, gratitude, and respect for those who police our streets and patrol our communities. In 2016, an officer was assaulted in America on an average of every 10 minutes. Can you believe that? It's outrageous and it's unacceptable. We must end the attacks on our police and we must end them right now. We believe criminals. We believe criminals who kill our police should get the death penalty. Bring it forth. Absolutely. 100%. Well said, Mr. President. Couldn't have said it perfectly said. The, absolutely the death penalty uh, should be uh, put forth uh, for anyone. Anyone that kills a police officer, I've believed that my entire life. I've always respected law enforcement. I've always, you know, they're the real heroes. I mean, they, you know, what, what they do for all of us, um, you know, I, and whenever I see them, I always thank them for their service as well. It's very important, uh, you know, and, and with the abuse of police officers in today's society and, you know, people pointing police as the enemy and people pointing police as the bad guys, it's, it's it's become a toxic society where these people disrespect our cops and disrespect law enforcement. But at the end of the day, who do these people call for help? Law, it's always law enforcement. And law enforcement's there to protect us. And these people that want to criticize law enforcement and, you know, give them, uh, you know, some words, you know, 
you guys are major hypocrites because you guys would call the cops if anything dangerous would happen to you. I mean, you you know, there's there's all this, especially on the left. I mean, we've the police respect has completely been lost on the left. I mean, it, it's you know we have marches with Black Lives Matter, <clears throat> what they chant about our cops, pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon. Uh, you know, we, we have all these different, and we have, and we have, you know, feminist groups going after police. We have, uh, you know, Democrats saying that, uh, uh, you know, police are, are racially profiling blacks every second, which isn't true. You know, they're making this, in, I mean, you think about a white cop going after a black guy. Less, that's like a, a less than a 1% chance. Last year, only 16, yeah, that's right, one six, uh, 16 people were only killed, uh, were shot, uh, a white cop shot in terms of shot a black guy and killed, killed a black guy. Only 16 murders came from a white cop versus um, a black, you know, um, uh, you know, individual. So for all of these hypocrites, and all of these individuals, especially on the left, to only march and hate our police and call them racist and call these all, all these terrible names, but they totally ignore the black-on-black crime in Chicago. They totally ignore all of these crime areas that are a lot more relevant and that are the 99% of the crime. The, one per- the less than the 1% is the white cop going after the black guy. It's a rare occurrence. Sure, you got them crooked cops, but there's got to be stop being so much gen, so much generalizing. It's getting way out of hand. It's it's um, out of character. Um, I've never myself ran into a dirt ran into a dirty cop, um, and I know a lot of cops. Uh, for the most part, cops have always been great to me, and you know it's um, it, it's, a, it's a it's a respect thing for sure. There's no doubt about it. So you know we have we have all these. You know, especially Black Lives Matter saying cops shooting blacks. And, I mean, it's all made up. It's all a liberal narrative to get them going. And they're sheep, the people that watch CNN, the people who watch MSNBC, you know, the race baiting. I mean, it gets old. It's annoying. It's obnoxious. It's, and it's unproductive, most importantly. It doesn't get us anywhere all of this race baiting and all of this made up lies about cops. And we all remember hands up, don't shoot was a big lie. was a big phony. Uh, You know, we all know that, I mean, there's all these things that the left has made up. And I'm so glad today that Trump and we have a president now who respects law enforcement, who puts law enforcement first, who, you know, does, goes out of his way and does extra things for law enforcement because he admires them, our President Trump. With Obama, Obama did not respect law enforcement. He did not have any respect for our law enforcement. He would enable Black Lives Matter. He would enable criminals. Obama. But President Trump, he puts our police first. He puts America first. He puts our safety first. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. Um, you know, there is – I do want to play a clip. Um, it's getting – you know, this is something that uh, is highly um, 
find, you know, it's highly disturbing in terms of um, the Democrats in Arizona um, are appealing, um, you know, they're behind so much voter fraud, and, you know, they're basically trying in every way possible uh, for to keep their information, uh, you know, secretive, um, let illegals vote. I mean, all of this corrupt stuff. And you got to hear this. And, they, you know, this election in Arizona, you know, with the Senate race is a very serious thing. It's a very important thing. Um, and, you know, and we, you know, Arizona is one of the most red states. I live down here. Um, but this was national news state. I want to play this clip for you guys. Um, two five. Democrats are appealing a recent court ruling from Arizona they claim makes it harder for certain groups of people to vote. It's called ballot harvesting or absentee ballot collection, where people can take voters' completed ballots to the polls. But in Arizona, that's illegal, and if you get caught, it's a felony. It was kind of like a service saying, hey, you know, we want your voice to count. It does matter, and we want to make sure your voice gets counted. And now, once again, their voice is shut down. I respect the court's decision, but I don't agree with it. State Representative Andrade says the law backed by Republicans affects working-class voters who are unable to vote by mail or in person. The DNC says it imposes more severe burdens on voters from Arizona's minority communities. GOP let legislature is making it harder and harder for people to vote and we look at it this is another form of voter suppression Republican representative Michelle Ugenti Rita disagrees you can see that that has a impact on one that person's ballot making it to the election box but then also on the outcome it's not a practice that really has enough benefit to justify continuing to have it. Concerns over fraudulent elections received renewed attention in 2016 when then-candidate Donald Trump tweeted there was a large-scale voter fraud a month before he got elected. Once in office, President Trump commissioned the Election Integrity Committee. But earlier this year, it tweeted, many mostly Democrat states refused to hand over data from the 2016 election. The system is rigged. So concerns over the integrity of the voting process remains. People have to have confidence in the outcome of an election, and the best way to kind of affect your government is at the election box. So election integrity um, is something that we have to safeguard. Well, there was not a case of voter fraud proven, but yet this proceeded through. The DNC has already appealed this law, and now it's in the hands of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. It's likely whoever loses will appeal all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. In Phoenix, Charlie Lapastora, Fox News. Mike Zolo, you're just joining us from New Jersey. How are you, my friend? What's up, brother? How are you? Good to have good to have you on, buddy. My co-host, Mike Zolo, everybody. Always, always on. Always a pleasure. Um, I, uh, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were hearing that clip. Um, basically, what that was is, as you know, as you know, Zolo, I live in Arizona, and the yeah. Democrats, the Democrats are are trying to keep a lot of uh, you know, they're trying to keep a lot of the voter uh, records secretive, and there's a lot of um, illegals voting on the Democrat side, and it's been going on for a long time. And it's just a very, it's a very rigged system. I mean, it's very scary, especially with these special election midterms coming up. I mean, this, this, is, this is something, nothing to joke around about. And, uh, you know, they're, the Democrats are appealing, appealing it, um, you know, it's, it's because they, they know they're guilty. They know they have stuff to hide. 
they know that, you know, that um, they're wrong. I mean, this has been going on for so long. We know this, the, the illegal voting. It's, it goes on all over, but it's a big issue. Absolutely. Well, not only is it illegal aliens voting, um, yeah. which is probably the biggest problem, mass amounts right. of illegals vote. Uh, I, I wouldn't be able to give a number, but I can guarantee you I don't need an investigation to prove that illegal aliens yeah. absolutely vote in presidential uh, Senate, House, all those races. Every race um, yeah. that they can get a vote in, they vote, believe me. Illegal aliens are probably the the number yeah. one illegal voting uh, block. But after that, you have criminals, felons, felons, which aren't supposed yeah. to vote. And then you just have liberals that try to vote twice, you know, people using dead people's, um, you know, names. And this all happens on the Democrat side. You know, the, the Democrats will find one story where we're like one Republican out of like a thousand Democrats voted for like yeah. Trump twice. That was like one story. It's all the Democrats, right. man. The Democrats won't release the voter rolls because it'll destroy them. It'll prove that Trump yeah. was right when he said that three and a half million illegal aliens at least uh, yeah. voted in the presidential election for Hillary Clinton. It's going on. I don't know why it's such a you know hot topic. I mean, it's common sense. Illegal aliens yeah. drive in this country. They receive welfare. Yeah. They go to yeah. public schools. They protest it's, it's our disgraceful. president on our streets. But they're not gonna. But don't worry, they won't vote. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is. Oh no! They'll, they'll do everything stupidity. but that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm really sure. Right. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. This is. This is. This is a typical uh, liberal talking point. Well, listen, hey, you know, they do drive without a license. They do drive drunk. Uh, you know, hey, they don't speak much English. They don't really attempt to learn it. You know, yeah, they commit crimes here and there. You know, yeah, yeah, they receive welfare and food stamps and disability and Social Security, even some of them. But uh, no, no, absolutely. They would never vote. No, of course not. This is liberal. This is liberal bullshit. Of course they vote. They vote in mass amounts, and it helps the Democrats. And once there's more than enough proof, we know it's happening. But once there's more than enough proof, it's over for the Democrats because without the illegal vote, without the criminals, the felons voting, without liberals voting twice, Hillary Clinton not only would have lost like she did, but she would have lost the popular vote so big it would have been even more embarrassing. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Um, We do have our special guest coming on, um, calling in right now. Give me one second. Uh, We have Karen um, Strahan on the line, a political strategist. How do you pronounce it? Sorry. Just Strahan. The okay. Scots always Strong. add extra letters, so. All righty, you're a YouTube star, spokesperson for Men's Rights Edmonton, and a contributor for a voiceformen.com, and you have a very popular Twitter as well um, called Girl, Girls Write What, if I'm not mistaken? Girl, Girl Writes What, yep. Okay, very cool. Great to have you on, and I know that, you know, you're fighting – you know, like the Me Too BS gibberish and, you know, all of the, uh, you know, the feminism, which is completely one-sided, jaded ideology and 
so anti-men and uh, beyond ridiculous. Um, and, yeah, I just, you know, I, I definitely want to talk a lot about that stuff. But I want you to, you know, tell me, tell us a little bit about yourself. Start out with that. Um, okay. Well, I'm I'm just a, a middle-aged mother of three. I'm divorced. Uh, I've been in a long-term relationship with uh, my new man for about seven years now. Um, got into discussing men's issues and uh, criti- criticizing feminism online about um, in about twenty uh, two thousand and nine. And yeah. uh, and it just kind of snowballed from there. I just found out that uh, I was apparently good at it. So, yeah. Very nice. So Very good. Now it's now it's a career. Now it's a career. It's not the career that my high school guidance counselor envisioned, or my parents. Um, they always wanted me to be a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. But uh, you know. Uh, I, I'm just essentially I'm just a regular person. I have a high school diploma. I worked uh, essentially a uh, I worked in the service industry for years, right? So um, yeah, but uh, apparently I'm very very good at uh, discussing these issues and and people uh, listen to me. So there you go. And you you do have a platform, you know. You you do have a you know quite quite the following, <clears throat> and uh, you know it's it, it's funny because. You know, you live in Canada, correct? Mm-hmm. What, yep. what part of Canada do you live in? I'm in Canada's Texas, which is the province of Alberta. Okay, so, so it's, your president—it's—it's probably—it's probably the most what? right, the most conservative province in in Canada. Um, okay, so and uh, and the most. Well, well and it's, go ahead, it's you know. You tend to you tend to find that in in uh, provinces or in areas where there is a reliance on uh, resource extraction, you know, natural resources. When there's a reliance on blue collar work, where, where there's a heavy reliance on um, uh, where there's actually wilderness, um, those tend to be areas that that uh, skew conservative. So there you go. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, it it makes sense. And so, you know, obviously your prime minister uh, is quite the character. Uh, He's a feminist. (laughs) Soy boy. Oh, Jesus. Well, but he's got great hair. Yeah, he's got 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 great hair, you know, and he has... He has a full head of hair because he doesn't have enough (laughs) testosterone for it to all fall out. (laughs) He's, um... You know, I've uh, you know I know Zolo. You know you you're a fan of Trudeau, aren't you, Zolo? <laughs> Are you joking or what? <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. You must be out of you, your mind. Uh, that guy is the definition of a soy boy liberal, man. That guy, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. It's not it's not uh, mother nature. It's or what do you say? It's it's people nature or whatever. I mean, are you joking? Uh, mankind, pe- people kind, mankind, people, people kind. kind. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, people kind, yeah, mankind, yeah. people kind. We, we I mean, even this- if we wanted even even if we wanted to go gender neutral on that, we actually already had a word. It's called humankind. So yeah, yeah. But this kind of thinking, this this like soy boy, this like weak, pathetic, like liberalism is really going to like destroy Canada. I mean, seriously, I'm sorry, but like this kind of like weakness is like pathetic. Oh, you, you have no idea that 
the kind of legislation that's coming down the pike in Canada right now in terms of sexual assault law and and, uh, all of that and the training of judges and uh, both of these these two bills that I'm talking about, they're sort of stalled in the Senate. They're they're being considered by the Senate. They've passed Parliament. Um, they're be, being considered by the upper house. And um, if the Senate approves them, then they'll go to royal ascension, which is just a formality, and then they'll be made law. And essentially that will be the day that no man is capable of mounting an affirmative defense in a sexual assault trial. Hey, Karen, oh Karen real quick, real Real quick, I want to speak on what you just said, but I want to play the uh, mm-hmm. Trudeau clip. Real, I want to play the Trudeau clip real quick. It's just too funny. It's way too funny how ridiculous he sounds when he says, "People kind, people kind." Here we go. We have received the Queen's Award in the UK. We have received the. I have a question. Question. Yes, we have received many awards throughout the whole world. However. Unfortunately, in Canada, our volunteering as a charitable religious organization is extremely difficult. Extremely. That's why, in actuality, we cannot do free volunteering to help our neighbors in need as we truly desire. So that's why we came here today to ask you to also look into the policies that religious charitable organizations have in our legislation so that it can also be changed because Maternal love is the love that's going to change the future of mankind. So we'd like you to look uh, we, we like to say people kind, not necessarily mankind, because oh, yeah. it's more inclusive. There we go, exactly. <laughs> yes, thank you. We Everybody. can all learn from each other. <laughs> Everybody cheer oh, okay. Jump off the cliff. Okay, you you know you know, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna criticize him for the people kind thing. I'm going to yeah. criticize him for saying people kind is not okay, but maternal love will save the world. Woman's what love, feminine love is what will save the world. He let that slide. And that's the entire point of all of what I do is calling out these double standards, noticing them, calling them out. Exactly. You're not allowed to say man, mankind, even though it's an ancient word. That originated when the word years. when the word man yeah well it's an ancient word that originated when the word man was actually gender neutral right yeah. and the word for adult men was wearmen and the word for adult women was wishmen and a man was just an adult okay and that's when the word mankind originated so it started off gender neutral and then we've we decided at some point that men didn't need their own word. Um, you know, they were just the adults, I guess. Um, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the way it is. Um, they are just the adults, but, um, but yeah, so, but he let that whole maternal love is what's going to save the world thing go because he worships at the altar of, of the female. He's, he's a complete gynocentrist. He's, he's absolutely, um, just, I, I, you know, every time I hear him talk about feminist issues or feminist foreign policy or feminist foreign aid or feminist this, feminist that, I'm a proud feminist. I learned feminism. I learned to be a feminism. Uh, I was taught by my insane, bipolar, completely unstable mother who ran off on her prime minister husband to go bang the Rolling Stones for two weeks and left him holding the bag and answering the reporters going, where's your wife? 
Okay. I learned to be a feminist from my mother who's wonderful. And, you know, and I'm like, are are you kidding? Like, and I just want to stick my fingers in my throat and, and just puke. Like the amount of entitlement, the amount of the one-sided ideology and the jaded viewpoints. And it's, it's an anti-men movement. You know, it's basically, I'm a woman, treat me how, uh, however I want, I can treat you as a man, however, I can treat you however I, I, I want, you know, but the men have to respect me. And, you know, it's all this, this form of, it's selfish, it's, it's a, it's a. You forgot you know, one thing. Yeah, yeah. Sorry? You forgot one thing. It's about. Go uh, ahead. They want to have as many abortions as possible and they want to get paid the same yep. as a man, even if they have kids and don't work as much as the man. Right, like they think, you know, yeah. There, there were honestly some some fights that you know, or some um, cases. You know, one of them, I, I believe it was in Alberta or Saskatchewan, um, where they, a there was there was there was a farm family, and uh, the wife died in a farm accident, and or in some kind of there was someone at fault for this that could be sued. And they were told that because she was just a wife, um, she was not the owner of the farm. She was just the the farm owner's wife. Um, She had no monetary value. So he couldn't sue because her monetary value, her earnings would be zero. And uh, and he fought in court and actually, uh, in adjusted dollars, uh, the value of a farm wife as, as a contributor to the family business ended up being something like $90,000 a year um, in just labor and productivity and, and uh, manufacture of goods and, and all of that stuff. Right. So absolutely. I'm, I'm perfectly cool with that. Right. That this woman was not paid because she was essentially an employee, an unpaid employee of her husband who was just given room and board and, and whatever she needed uh, out of, out of the money that came in, right? I understand that there are some issues with how we used to do things that needed to be changed or altered in some way or or adjusted for or considered, right? But um, what we have now is we have, you know, Jessica Valenti, um, who writes for The Guardian, um, you know, she's a regular columnist there, saying, you know, we should just pay women 20% more than men, Oh, you know, and oh, you know, people tell me it's illegal, but can't we do something about that? And and I'm just blown away. Um, you know, you have this this thing with they're, they're complaining about the pink tax, um, which means that apparently when I go up to uh, the checkout with my bottle of Head and Shoulders, um, they actually put a 13% tariff on it because I'm a woman. Um, no, they don't. Right. Um, when women choose to buy more expensive items, um, which are often luxury items, the women who complain about the pink tax are also the same kind of women who will say, oh, my goodness, that man put hand cream on his face. What kind of person does that? That's like it's it's a guy who doesn't think he needs to spend an extra twenty dollars to buy special cream for his face. Um that's what it is. If you want to do that, you're perfectly entitled to. Um, don't complain that you're being taxed because you're a woman. 
Um, you're choosing to buy this stuff. You could just buy the men's stuff. You could buy hand cream and put it on your face. Um, like it, it's just like this is women complaining about their own choices. It, it's women ha- saying I shouldn't have to put up with myself, right? And the consequences of my own actions. That that's all I see feminism as right now. And here and here's my you know the whole take on it that a woman you know has you know it's it, it's the entitlement has gotten out of control. In Canada, because I, I view what goes on in Canada and here in the United oh, yeah. States, it, I, I mean it's absolutely out of control. These women, you know, think they can get abortions when they're months and months, you know, pregnant in, you know, already pregnant. I mean, it's absolutely disgusting. I'm very pro-life, and you know, these women think they can be irresponsible and get an abortion whenever they feel like it, not even care about human life that, that is inside of them. I mean, it, it's all of these. And then, like you mentioned with the jobs, you make a very good point. Like, just because a woman's a woman, she thinks she should make the same as a man. You've got to take into, fact, uh, you know, into, you know, um, I, you know, into account all the different things that factor in and apply to what qualifies a person for a job. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to do with race, color, uh, gender. You know, it doesn't have to do, you know, certain people are qualified more than others. And in a lot of, in most, you know, in a lot of categories, women make more money than men. So, and you don't see feminists talking about that. You only see feminists whining and complaining about the very small percentage of, you know, like, like their their whole movement is totally um, there's no merit. I mean, it's irrelevant. Well, when when you look at the wage gap, right, and how it's presented, yeah. right? You know, women yeah. women earn seventy eight cents on the dollar for the exact same work. There ought to be a law. Yeah, yeah there was in nineteen sixty three. It's called the Equal Pay Act. Um, yeah. You know, if you if you're being paid less for no reason other than that you're a woman. Sue your employer, complain to the Labor Relations Board, you know, take some action, complain to HR. I bet you HR would get right on that, Um, you know, like, or quit your job and go work somewhere else. But what, with the wage gap, one of the, one of the most hilarious things is, you know, if you take that raw 78 cents and you, you're even looking at, you know, a male lawyer and a female lawyer at the same law firm. At, you know, they're both associates, okay, with the same amount of – everything else, everything is equal, okay? When you factor in how many more hours a week he works, the wage gap is cut in half compared to her. Yeah. He's working tw- $0.12 cents more per hour, you know, in terms of uh, $0.12 cents more, 12% more. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at these, you know, massive, massive – multivariate issues regarding the wage gap and once once you consider all of them it it goes to like something between there's 4 4 to 7% of the gap is as yet unexplained they suspect of course depending on who you talk to they suspect it's due to discrimination but they have no evidence for that well I mean, right. at least in america at least in america i don't know about canada but the feminists in America, they just can't comprehend the fact, uh, pretty simple fact, that a lot of women have children and 
you know, when you have children, it comes with consequences. So maybe you want to go to your, you know, raise your children a little, you know, stay home a little more. Perhaps you want to go to their recitals, go on their field trips, you know, so in the end, you might not be as working as much as typically the guy would, you know, and then this is like a a fact, a simple fact of life that uh, these feminists, these liberal uh, wackos, they just don't understand. Like they can't comprehend it. You know what I mean? Well, if you want if you want to be one of those sort of career women and be the one who's sort of the the primary breadwinner in the household, your you, your career is prioritized, um, and uh, maybe uh, you don't have uh, so many of those child care and domestic responsibilities. Um, you're going to have to actually completely change what you're looking for in a partner. Um, because you right. can't, I mean, women, women tend to want to marry laterally and up the socioeconomic ladder. They want men with as much or more education, as much or more income, as much or more career prospects, as much or more social status than they have, right? Now, when you marry somebody like that, and these are deep primal instincts on the part of women that exist for a reason, but when you, when you use those criteria when choosing a partner, and you choose a man who earns more money than you, he has a higher status career than you, he has uh, more prospects, a, a, a better career, uh, a potential career tra- trajectory than you, right? Well, who's going to be the one to have to stay home with the kids? It's the one with a lower income, you know, with the, the less, uh, you know, less steep career trajectory, the one who's less able to... Um, to capitalize on their human capital in the workforce and bring home the bacon. The one who's going to stay home is that person and the one who's going to go out and work and probably work more um, after a child is born to take up the slack is going to be the man. So, you know, and you look at it, Thomas Sowell discovered in the 80s, for crying out loud, that never married women and never married men, right, if you look at men and women who are, have no children and were never married, women out-earn men. Yeah, they do. It's a true. It's true, and and you don't see feminists talking about that. No, they don't. I mean, like there were some that used to. Right? There were there were some, you know, in the leadership of the National Organization of 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 Women in the sixties uh, and seventies. Um, who actually really did sort of think, you know, if uh, women won't ever be equal in the workplace until men are equal in the home. And so we need to actually maybe um, promote shared parenting. We may maybe need to promote equal custody after divorce and things like that, right? But their membership said absolutely no way. The entire grassroots membership, all all their money was coming from these, these women buying membership and, you and they bring, weren't having and, and you bring up Sorry? you bring up a good you can bring up a good point when you when you mentioned um you know about how it was different with the feminist movement in the in the 70s it's just like how the the democrats haven't had a good democrat since jfk since the 70s i mean the left today is so radicalized and it's not what the Democrat Party used to be. I mean, it's totally out of control. 
and and it's just like feminism. Feminism is radicalization. I consider feminism a terrorist. Uh, it, it's no it's no different than terrorism. I I even have shirts that I've made that I've sold. Feminism is terrorism, and there's blood dripping down. Uh, but you know, there I mean, there's some sca- <laughs> there's you know, it's there's, it's scary stuff. Um, and these well, women, I'm not, I'm you know, not letting I'm not letting. I'm not letting the second wave off the hook here. I mean, there was a streak of man-hating a mile wide through the second wave. There were lesbian separatists. There was the Red Stocking Manifesto, which posited that um, gay men were only gay because they hated women, and so gay men were essentially uh, misogynists, the most misogynist men Uh. in society, because there, there was no way... There was no way that a, a human being could actually love a man um, because these are le- lesbian separatists, of course. So they're they're like, yeah, no, we hate men, and of course everybody right. secretly hates men. They might say they don't, but they all we all right. do. We all hate men, you know. So I mean, and you go even back to the first wave, and and it was like it yeah. was just extremely yeah. one-sided and extremely unfair. Um, yeah. You know, to uh, to the the way that they attacked men, and it was really anti men. And my dog really yeah. wants to get in on this conversation. I don't know if you guys can hear her. <laughs> she likes to talk. You're not Chewbacca. Nice. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> so, so um, as you as you were saying though, Carrie. Sorry. You know, as you were saying, you 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 were. Uh, you were, you were saying oh yeah you, no were... no all all of the waves of feminism uh i i have extremely harsh criticisms of all of them in terms of double standards yeah. and uh exploiting oh, yeah. our perceptions of men and women exploiting uh the woman as victim trope yeah. um and the man as villain trope and all of those things right so I mean, there's yeah. there's never been any kind of noble, innocent wave of feminism. It has, it, there have been feminists that I ha- I admire, um, but yeah. uh, there I don't think there's ever been a movement that wasn't completely corrupted by uh, sexism uh, and and anti male sentiment. So now I do I do want to mention something that's absolutely outrageous. You know, there there's been quite a few feminists. Uh, you know, uh, women's marches. You know, the the women's march every year is ever since they've only only ever done it since Trump got in. Uh, yeah, because you know, the, and they're such well, it wasn't a, like it wasn't a women's Bill march. It was it was it was an anti it was an anti Trump march. march. An anti Trump march. Yeah, yes, exactly. It was an anti Trump march, and they all you know these people are the biggest hypocrites because they adore and love Bill Clinton, who's the biggest sexual predator of all time in the history of politics. But you know, and we all know Donald Trump was a playboy back in his day. Donald Trump had his fun. Donald Trump did his thing, and we have all these women on the left that you know do these anti. They, they say it's these women march. They say that it's for women's marching, but we we all know, like you said, it's the anti Trump. Uh, March protest, uh, basically, you know, and it's, it only ever started since Trump got in, and there's all of this um, animosity and hostility, and you have these people wearing vagina hats and having a hand with a pussy and grabbing it, like li- literally, there were people dancing in the streets at these marches with a, with a hand that they were holding and then a pussy 
and grabbing, like mocking. Like some of these people were in the costumes they were wearing, absolutely outrageous. I mean, some of this feminist videos I have watched, and I've watched a lot of them. I mean, they can't even, I mean, they have no merit. I mean, they have no logic. And there were kids around. There were kids yeah, around. and little children. Oh, yeah, no, they'll they'll actually, I mean, I don't know if you remember the Tuck Frump video and the the uh, the uh, potty mouth princesses video, um, but this was these were high quality, high production value videos, but that used children, um, you know, to uh, you know as as political tools, as as shills for a political agenda, um, you know. So I mean, they're not they're not going to not have their kids involved in this. I mean, like when I got into men's rights, I really didn't. Um, I didn't involve my kids in any way. Like I let them know that I had a YouTube channel and, you know, you can watch me if you want or whatever. And I have a 15 year old son who trolls me and, um, you know, says, uh, you know, you're lame or whatever in a comment. And then I leave a (laughs) reply to the comment saying, son, go clean your room. Um, But other than that, I mean, like they, they don't really have a whole lot of uh, like, and I don't really involve them in any of it. Um, but, uh, you know, and they're all old enough. My 15 years old, that's my youngest. So, I mean, they're, they're not, you know, three years old, four years old, eight years old, ten years old. Um, so, but what, what I find hilarious is when, when you ask these uh, people at the Women's March, you know, why, why are you here? Right. Well, what are Trump you abuses women. He doesn't talk to them very nicely. He doesn't respect women. I mean, they they give all these vague answers, but they can't give specifics. I mean, they they want to talk about well, something he said twenty years ago. Oh well, and they they say you know like one of them said, well you know he he'd take he would take away our right to abortion, right? But you know immediately after he was elected, he said he said no no. You no. know that that would be uh, an Im- yeah. it would be an impossibility. Even if I wanted it, it's not going to happen, right? And and when I'm looking at the process involved in revoking the right to ultimately, the US, I mean, a lot of times it's a state decision. I mean, a lot of times it's state decision. It's not you know the abort the whole abortion thing. So you know these women. Um, well, he said it, he it, said if Roe v. Wade was repealed, it would go back to the states. Yeah, you know, right. it would go back yeah. to each state. And and he would not meddle with that, right? But I mean, how like Roe v. Wade is how old, you know? And and it's got so much precedent sitting there behind it, so much case law. It's not going anywhere. Um, it would it would require, I think, it would require a constitutional amendment. And I and I really want to say, you know, with with feminism, the movement, it really brings out women's insecurities. Like they need. It's it's it, it, they need the validation like they it, it you know, like it, you totally see it. I mean they they need to uh, be validated. They need the attention. They they're they're very desperate. I mean it's it's a, it's a sad thing to watch, um, you know. And it's uh, you know it's 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 absurd as well. Very absurd. Well, I was I was talking to a woman today who who's uh, taking social work, um, and she. Uh, she said that she felt herself becoming indoctrinated and 
And it really changed her view of the world, and it made her unhappy. It made her feel insecure, afraid, unhappy. Um, You know, like, it can't be a very happy message to take out into the world that everybody's against you. Um, You're never going to be able to succeed uh, on an equal playing field because, you know, the patriarchy's holding you down, and the whole society wants to subordinate you and subjugate you, and... There's a violent predator around every corner who's who's looking to rape you or abuse you in some way, right? Can't be a very happy message to take out into the world, right? And a friend of mine, she actually put it this way. I mean, imagine you have an elderly aunt. You know, she's like 75 years old. She's still spry, right? She, she her Her husband died a few years ago, but she still lives in her old house, right? And she's doing okay. And she lives in a decent neighborhood, and uh, there's some crime, but not much. And it's almost always property crime. You know, somebody steals a garden hose or a bike or something like that. And one day, a man knocks on her door, and he's selling her alarm systems. And what does he show her? He shows her all kinds of false statistics about the crime in the neighborhood. And he tells her, oh, there's violent home invasions going on just a few blocks that way. And there's shooting, just shootings just over there. And there was like a, a old woman who was raped in her own home, you know, just the other day down the street. Okay, to sell her, and and she and she buys the alarm system from him that she doesn't need, and then thanks him for it. Now, if we looked at that, if we looked at a little skit of that, we would say he's a predatory salesman. He's using predatory sales tactics. He is using emotional manipulation to cause her to feel fearful and insecure when she doesn't need to feel that way, right, in order to get something from her, okay? We would yeah. we would all be able to see that, right? But when feminism does this to women, we don't see it. Right, you're absolutely Like as a society, right. we don't see it. That's a good point. Um, in case well, you're just joining us, Karen, I want you to stay on. I know Zolo fond of you. You know, I know he 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 has Mike Zolo, my co-host, has some questions for you. But I do want to introduce our um, guest calling in right now, a political strategist, Islamic uh, historian, best-selling author, and entrepreneur Dan Perkins. Thank you for calling, sir. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And yourself? Uh, doing well. And uh, you know, Karen. Um, is uh, do you know she's uh, very working against the feminism feminism movement? Uh, she's a voice for men, uh, you know, a very strong activist, and she's based out of Canada. And uh, you know, you you uh, Dan, um, we'll get to this topic in a, se- in a second. But your expertise is radical Islamic terrorism, and Canada is experiencing that problem right now with immigration. So I definitely kind of want to. Uh, we'll get get to that in a second, but um, Zolo, I know you wanted to respond to what Karen said. Do that real quick. Well, um, I think her friend had a good point, but what I would say with feminism that I really find, and I don't, you know, I kind of sound harsh a lot, but you know, I'm not really politically correct, so I don't care. So forgive me. Um, what I really can't stand with when I see, I, I remember seeing one of the. Um, women's marches in America, not in Canada, obviously. 
and these these transgenders were like half naked, and there's like children around, and, and they're they're screaming, and it's just I, I just it, it just seems like not only is it disgusting, but what they're wearing, it's like you can't even tell. You know, obviously they were, I guess, guys trying to be girls or girls trying to be guys. But but I just the way they were dressed, I I swear some of them were half naked. And for them to do that when children are around, running around, I think it's pretty evil. I, I think this whole feminist movement with the transgender issue, the obsession with abortion, the obsession with, with transgenderism, I think it's a real problem. And, I, and frankly, I find it quite disgusting. And I mean, uh, to do that and act like that and wear that kind of stuff in front of – and I'm talking like just like half naked. I'm, I'm not even kidding with you. Um, it's just yeah. really, it's really oh, terrible. You know, you know, one one of the things that uh, you know, because Jordan Peterson uh, talks about this a fair bit, right, is that genuine trans people, right, and there are some genuine trans people. There are certain specific areas in the brain that are distinct in trans people, um, whether they transition at some point in their lives or whether they go their entire lives swearing they're in the wrong body all the way to their dying day, um, you know, doesn't matter. They have these specific areas in their brain that are a little bit different, right? So I'm perfectly okay with the fact that there is this 0.03% of people who are born with an anomaly in their brain right, that leads them to feel like they're in the wrong body. I'm perfectly fine with that. I think, you know, it's, that's, a, there, there are biological causes there. And, okay, let's see how we can help these people figure things out. But over the last probably 10 years, there's been a huge trans-trender phenomenon um, where you actually have people who are not trans, uh, they're not diagnosable as trans, but they claim to be trans, and these are the they people identify, who identify, and they try, and they're trying to normalize it. Yeah, and they've seized the reins of the trans movement. And what Jordan Peterson has found is that out of the fifteen or twenty trans people who have written to him, and he was he he actually spoke out against a bill that would that would. Uh, instantiate the protection of gender identity and gender expression as a protected category, a protected identity within Canadian human rights law. He spoke out against that. And he received emails from trans people and all but one were positive. They were like, we don't want, like, we don't want attention. We want to transition and go on with our lives. We like, we, I, I just want to live a normal life as the gender that I feel I am. I don't want to be the center of attention. I don't want to be the center of some kind of big trans pride parade. Um, I don't yeah. want to, you know, any of that. I just want to live yeah. a normal life. And Absolutely. so essentially you've had the reins of, of this movement being seized by people who I don't think are being sincere about their ideas about trans genderism or non uh non binaryism or gender non conformingism or or any of that. I don't think that they're genuine in that. And I think that they're using trans people, genuine actual trans people as a as a human shield. 
right? Because if you want to attack the ideology that we're promoting, you're going to have to go through all of these vulnerable trans people first. I want to finish up on this topic, but I do want to say something real quick. I do strongly believe that this whole transgender movement, especially in the United States, especially with the whole bathroom thing, this is just an an entrance to, uh, and it's already been happening, a pedophilia problem. I mean, we've been seeing kids, innocent kids getting raped in these bathrooms by these people that, how they identify as what bathroom they can choose they go into. I mean, you know, what Obama, you know, did to this country is disgraceful. And you know what? It's, 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 it's all the Democrats that are around him, too, that are the, are the problem, you know, because, I mean, there's all these people in the Senate. But, you see, know, on, on, on the, it's just dirty. It's just a terrible thing. I mean, it's, they're, they're tra- it's all about politics. It's not. It's about nothing else. But see, this simply about this is well. When the the issue the issue with the trans like because I don't think trans people are necessarily any more likely to like actual trans people are any more likely to sexually assault anyone than anyone else. But what what these laws do in terms of however I self identify. Um, yeah, that's what I'm you know, referring that, to. That, the, yeah, that yes. becomes that. That's no longer a negotiation because your identity is not something that you just choose and everybody else has to accept exactly. it. It's a negotiation between you and everybody else in society. So, um, yes. you know, if if you have people who can take advantage and exploit uh, sort of a loophole in in the law or the policy, um, they're yes. going to do that. They're absolutely yes. going to do that. Yeah, Dan, are you still on the line? Yes, sir, I am. Okay, very cool, very cool. Um, absolutely, absolutely, Karen, 100, 100%. And, um, you know, I I do really want to thank you for all the insight. Um, if you want to stick around for a little bit, we do have some topics to get to uh, regarding current events. Um, I don't know what your um, – I, Actually, I, I do need to go. My dog is uh, okay. she's currently driving okay. herself and everyone crazy. Um, okay. And uh, and I have a bunch of stuff that I have to get to, but um, right. thank you so much. I, I I know you kept me on longer than I probably was scheduled for, so thanks for that. And absolutely, um, it's a pleasure having you. And any announcements you want to make, feel free. Oh yeah, no, I'll I'll totally add this to the playlist that I hopefully will one day get to publicizing and uh, of all the stuff that I'm doing these days. And um, yeah, yeah, no. But thank you, thank you guys very much. And uh, and I don't know if you want me on again, just hit me up. We we will, we will definitely we will definitely have you back. Thank you, thank you for your insight, and uh, have a great night. Take care. You too. You too. Bye. Bye. Jan Perkins, pleasure to have you, man. I want to talk to you about a lot thank of you. stuff. Um, okay. We have. Obviously, going on today, I want to get to uh, real quick. North Korea is the the the, the, sh- the short little fat kid in North Korea is he's dicking around with us. Now he's threatening to cancel the summit meeting between him and President Trump. I want to play this quick clip, and then I want to get your thoughts, and I want to get into a big discussion about this. South Korea's news agency saying North Korea has canceled its talks with South Korea planned for tomorrow due to joint military drills with the United States, and the North is threatening to cancel its summit with President Trump 
next month. Retired Four Star General Jack Keane, Chairman of the Institute for the Study of War and a Fox News Senior Strategic Analyst joins me now. That literally happened 48 seconds ago, sir, so I'm sorry we didn't have a lot of time to talk about it beforehand, but of course you're always prepared to talk about anything. Uh, is this to be expected leading up to a big summit like this where you have two countries that have been much at odds for so many decades? trying to figure out a way to come together, that there's going to be a little bit of back and forth and threats to cancel talks over things like these drills. Yeah, certainly. It's, it's negotiating leverage is what's taking place here. But I, I will say this. It, it's the first negative uh, aspect of Kim Jong-un's efforts going all the way back to participating in the South Korean Olympics because one thing after another has all been positive moving mm -hmm. towards a, a fundamental shift in strategic policy and heading towards denuclearization. Likely this is what I said it is, they're negotiating over leverage and things they want to have on the table. I do believe behind the scenes, Dana, right now our, our diplomats are getting some insight into where North Korea is really heading. They just can't put the two leaders in the room without a lot of preparation mm -hmm. and without understanding what the positions are. Mm -hmm. Now we're finally getting to see, and we're not gonna, that's not going to be exposed to the American people, that's for sure, mm -hmm. but they're getting exposed to the seriousness and the scale of what Kim Jong-un is really proposing, and hopefully it's moving in the right direction. Tell me your thoughts about the issue that apparently is bothering Kim Jong-un the most. We knew this was a problem, that the United States has a presence in South Korea, which has been a stabilizing force for the region, but he would love to have President Trump remove troops from there. Will that be a non-starter for the United States? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're not going to do that, and they know that, and he's taken that off the table as a condition for negotiations, which it has always been in the past. But look, if... If there really is denuclearization, if the two armies do pull away from each other on the DMZ and they go return to normal activity, and they have two of the largest armies in the world, the North Korean army and the South Korean army, I could mm -hmm. see years later, that, and they're actually all, there's an armistice and a peace treaty signed by the four participating countries, China, the United States, North Korea, and South Korea. All this would take a considerable amount of time. Right. And at some point, we would reduce our forces. But we're not going to do it now mm -hmm. as a part of this negotiation. Mm -hmm. That's not going to take place. Wow. Wow. Well said by uh, uh, Mr. Keene. Um, Dan, I want to get your thoughts. I mean, you know, we, we've seen uh, Kim Jong-un, you know, kind of play tricky at times. He's been on a he's been a good boy lately. He's been, you know, uh you know, playing playing right with Trump, you know, uh, you know, being uh being fair. And now uh we see him making these threats which uh, you know uh, he, he, Kim Jong un doesn't really have a choice in my opinion but to budge with Trump uh, when all's said and done. I mean whether how long that's gonna take if this uh, you know, summit meeting still is happening, or uh, you know, I hope it is. I hope Kim Jong Un, you know, uh, you know, sticks with it and doesn't actually for sure cancel. Uh, I know he's threatening to, but you know, I uh, there's so much that Kim Jong Un wants from us that uh, you know he's not going to be able to throw those temper tantrums like he used to with Obama. So in the end, he, he's going to have to cave. I mean, um, your thoughts, Dan? Well, um, I, 
I have debated as I've been listening to Jack Keane. I've been de- I've been debating as to whether or not to tell you. Yeah. Because it would be the first first time I've mentioned it ever on the air yeah. on any program. So you you get it first. Okay, tell me, tell us. Uh, the principal reason why Mr. Kim decided he needed to negotiate. There were two reasons. One, he found out that he had a red dot on his chest. You know what that who, means? Who are, uh, he, he was a he was a target. Yes. So so American okay, Kim, American special operations. Kim, you're talking about you're talking about Kim Jong Un being a target. Yes. Okay. Okay. And the second okay, thing number is. One. Keep going. Yep. Number two, when when Secretary Pompeo went to visit him, yep, he took and, and gave him a gift, a laser scope. Wow. Zolo, are that's you there? That's what's going around. That that's what's going yeah, around yeah. Washington right now. You, you've not wow. seen it anywhere anywhere on the news. Nobody's talked about it. Nobody's saying anything about it, except that there is more and more discussion that it answers the question, why did he all of a sudden change his tune? That's a great right. point. What do you mean? Yeah. Can I ask a question? What exactly yeah, did go ahead. you say at the last the last part was he Mike Pompeo gave what to him? I, I didn't quite uh, hear that part. When you when you want to put a laser dot on a target, you mount a right. scope on top of a sniper rifle, and that scope sends out the beam, the laser point. So the story is can't substantiate it. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing is that when Pompeo went to see him on Easter, he brought him a gift of a sniper rifle laser point. So he had, he had a point on his body that he recognized and, and Pompeo didn't or it is he didn't say anything other than to give him the scope. And you can interpret that message any way you want, but the way it's being interpreted goes back to an exchange between Kim and Mr. Trump when Mr. Kim said he has a button on his desk where he can launch the missiles. And if you recall, Mr. Trump saying, I have a much bigger, more devastating button. And Mattis Mattis said to Kim, we will turn your country into ash. But when the dot appeared, it brought a sense of fear that he 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 could not hide that so there was that, an actual, there was an actual 
a laser on Kim Jong-un's body. Yes, a laser dot. And the, the, the story in Washington at the moment is that special operations infiltrated into the country and were able to put a beat on him. Holy shit. Jesus. I'm blown away right now. <laughs> it, so makes that's sense. Wow. it makes sense because all of a sudden, think about it. I mean, obviously Trump is unpredictable and strong, and that has a part of it, obviously. But, I mean, mm-hmm. Kim Jong-un just totally made a, you know, did a 180. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Overnight. Overnight. And I, and I think that, like I said, I, I, I have, I, I, all I can tell you is what I'm hearing. I can't, I can't in any way, shape, or form um, verify it. I've, I've heard it from more than one source. Uh, but, you know, there's, I, I, I can't say that it's true. I can't say that it's not true. All I can say is it's, it's being talked about. Hey, Dan, um, we just had uh, one of our uh, co-hosts from New York, Gianni, join us. Can you please say that hi, one more time? And, and in case any of our audience, you know, is just tuning in, um, call in number is 213-943-3828. Um, I just, Dan, I want you to say that one more time for uh, Gianni and anybody that didn't listen, what, why Kim Jong-un all of a sudden you think caved and what's going around. Right. Uh, I said to the gentleman, I, I can't substantiate this. I can only tell you what I'm hearing. Um, that, and you're dealing uh, with inside D.C. sources. Yes. But I, I, I'm telling you that they have, they have told me, in fact, today I was told uh, by a contact that uh, that is what they're hearing but I've heard it nowhere else, and I, I I can't I can't testify that it's true, but I can't but testify it that it's untrue. What I was told today was that the reason why Mr. Kim made his all of a sudden change is that he was he realized where he was outside, where he thought he was safe. Uh, a red dot appeared on his body, and the red dot is from a sniper rifle. I was also told he means he was a target. Uh, I was was also told that when the the director of the CIA at the time visited him on Easter, he brought him a gift that he said nothing about other than presenting to him, which was a scope for a sniper rifle. Again, I have to reiterate that it's, it's, it's what I'm hearing. I, I can't tell you that it's true and don't report it as being true. It's just uh, a story going around Washington. I don't know that it's true. I don't know that it's not true. But now, I said earlier, when, yeah. when Mr. Kim and Mr. Trump got into a confrontation over buttons, meaning launch buttons. Uh, Kim said he had a launch button on his desk, and Mr. Trump said, 
I have a bigger and more powerful button. And Mattis said, Secretary of Defense, to Mr. Kim, and that's that is public record. We will turn your if you if you launch, we will turn your country into a pile of ashes. That's paraphrasing, but that's what Mattis said. That that wasn't since Easter. That was said some time ago when he was launching missiles and doing things. So there is there is uh, a question: Why did he all of a sudden? Why did he announce, for example? Why did he announce a few days ago that he set set a specific a specific day where he was supposedly he his government was reporting in the press and I'm sure you saw this a specific day I believe it was the 23rd of May where he was going to destroy uh, a testing facility and all the interlocking tunnels. Of his nuclear capabilities. Now, there is also another more widely circulated story, but not reported that I can find in the mainstream media, is that uh, the last hydrogen test, which was done underground in a mountain, that they have had other nuclear tests, was degraded to the point that they're very concerned that they could no longer use the mountain because it was deteriorating and it could unleash a a significant amount of radioactive material. So right now, when that last hydrogen bomb went off, that was their primary testing site. I don't know whether they have other testing sites. Nobody seems to know that. But again, why did he, within the last week, announce a specific date of when he was going to destroy, destroy some of his capabilities? Yet today, late this afternoon, early this evening, he said that he was not going to participate in a Qaddafi weapons of mass destruction uh, agreement. As you recall, Omar Qaddafi gave up all of his nuclear weapons and all of his armaments, uh, which later led to his downfall. So, uh, but he said that this evening, and then there's this other story that I heard the, that you were re- reviewing with, with General, uh, uh, the general this evening, a few moments ago that was being played back. Jack um, Jack King, yes. King, um, Jack King, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Nice, very, very, uh, smart, very, very experienced uh, military uh, general. Um, I think he was Army Chief of Staff. Um, and he, he, I think he's correct that there is a certain amount of posturing uh, going on on the part of Kim. Um, and if he, as the reporter who was talking to him, would he walk away? Jack said, I don't think so. I agree with him, but I do think, because Mr. Trump has already told us, if it doesn't look like we're making progress, he will walk away, and that will that will um, that will escalate tensions. But um, I just think that the economic sanctions have been so devastating to his country. Um, there's a certain amount of bravado here, but. Um, 
I think in some respect, I mean, this man, think about what he did. He walked across the 38th parallel to meet with the That's president right. of South Korea. He, he walked hugged in. them. Nobody, he, no, he, he, nobody forced him over the wall. Nobody lifted him over the, over the 38th parallel. He walked on his own. First time that a North Korean premier has crossed that border. So, and then he hugged um, Yeah. Right. So it is a, it, it's a it's strange and difficult world, but it's interesting. You might remember the last time I was on your show. Yeah. I told you about an incident on the air on China Global Television Network where about a month before Gian, I was on that Wait, show, real, what, real quick, Gianni, are you on? Yeah, I'm listening. I'm very, very uh, shocked, to say the least. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm, okay, I'll continue. So, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> so anyway, I was, I, was, I was recounting to you on the show that about a month before that, I was on China Global Shit. Television Network, and, um, and I had made the prediction that if, if, in fact, Kim comes to the table and we have a denuclearization, and de-weaponization of North Korea, Donald Trump wins the Nobel Prize. And right. when I, I told you in that particular show, one of the reporters laughed at me. Um, but I guess I'm going to I'm potentially going to get the last laugh because there are more and more <laughs> people who are saying if he, if Trump pulls it off, he should get it. And Trump even said today, uh, it's, I'd rather have peace actual peace than the peace prize. Um, but there were, I, I read an article this afternoon where a number of congressmen uh, and a bunch of governors have already sent a, sent a nominating petition to the Nobel Committee for him. So um, there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot of, of ego involved on both sides. And I think that it's a situation where where I think Jack King was right is that uh, it would be difficult for Kim to pull out. He could. Uh, he is a very unpredictable person, but he will pay a, a very high price from the rest of the world. And uh, because he had an opportunity to do something that would be remarkable. And, um, and so uh, if he's going to pull out, um, uh, he will probably wind up paying a dear price. And, and Dan, and real quick, real, real quick, Dan, there were um, there were images that appeared today on social media, and it was a, a breaking news story that um, it shows North Korea uh, dismantling um, some of their, their nuclear test sites. Uh, how do you how yes. do you respond to that? Well, that's what I was saying to you earlier, that he announced, I think, over the weekend, a specific date. I think it was May the 23rd, where he specifically said they were going to start to dismantle their nuclear capabilities. This is in advance of the summit. So he's already announced and, and, and has set a specific date, and they even showed in some of the pictures that I saw today, the facility, which was supposedly the major testing facility for him, and the, what I read, the report said that the the connecting tunnels that were used to transport 
various pieces of equipment would also be destroyed. But ultimate, so ultimately, do you ultimately at the end of the day? I mean, I know he's threatening now to cancel the Trump summit and you know do all this, you know, cancel and try to threat make these threats. But don't you agree he's not going to cancel? He'll meet Trump. He'll, he'll do the summit. He'll work it out with South Korea. I mean, he, if he's Kim is not stupid. He does not want to pay the price. Don't you agree? I absolutely agree. And 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 whether or not what I heard today was true or not, I don't think that he he. I think he wants to do a deal. I think he. I think he also realizes that. Mr. Trump is not a Barack Obama, and um, he he can't in- yeah. intimidate him. Not a pushover. Yeah, exactly. Trump Trump has right. giant brass balls. You can, I mean, yeah, the guy is invincible. Can I just say something? Go ahead, Mike. So real quick, Dan, I mean, this is amazing what you're saying. Now, if this was Barack Obama who was president right now, I would uh, say this story is trash. But I will tell you this. I believe 100% what you're being told. And the reason that is, is if you check out an interview with Donald Trump in the early 90s or the mid-90s, could be the late 90s, somewhere in the 90s, um, on uh, – what show was it? I don't know. It was like um, some, some, some uh, NBC. And, they were, and he was asked what he would do with North Korea. And he said he would take him out. And he said he would take him out. And then he said it again in 2016. And everybody shrugged their shoulders and they said, oh, you know, this guy, you know, Trump's out of his mind. He's just talking tough. I promise you, Donald Trump may talk a lot, but the guy is a serious, no BS guy. And I can one million percent see him meeting with Mattis and saying, hey, should we get some guys in there? Scare the shit out of this guy. Let's do it. I, I, I could totally see it. I, I, I'm telling you, I bet you, I bet you that Dan's right and this happened because it makes so much sense. No one has balls like Donald Trump and he doesn't play games. I promise you no other president would do what Trump may have done if this was what well, happened. But I, I'm telling you, I could believe right. it. And I, I, again, I got to reiterate, I have to make this very clear. Uh, there, I have no substantiation. I'm simply reporting what I'm hearing. No, no, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I know. I know. Um, so I, I can't tell you that it's true or it's not true. I'm just telling you what, what the rumor mill is saying in Washington uh, from and a then couple of sources. And said that, I could just see Donald Trump doing that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I, like, in other words, if George Bush was president right now and you said this, I would say no way. If Obama was president and you said this, I would say please. But Trump, it makes sense. Trump has talked about this before. Trump has literally talked about taking out Kim Jong-un. Here, here's the clip. Here, here's the, talk, here's you know? the 1999 clip that I want to pull up that where Trump says what, uh, Mike, you were talking about. Uh, I'm playing it right now. Hey, was uh, it 99? As far as nuclear yep. is concerned, this country, us, we need a shield because Russia's unstable. North Korea's unstable. We need a missile defense shield. And if we don't have one and if we don't start developing... And now, you know, people used to criticize Reagan. The fact is now it's very developable. And we need a shield. If you want to build this strategic defense shield, 
prevent against missiles. You have to go ahead and negotiate with the Russians a change in the 1972 ABM, the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty. What if the Russians say no, no can do? Well, look, you just said it, a change in 1972. A treaty that was made in 1972, who knew what was going to happen in terms of technology? It's time for a change, and we have to sit down with the Russians and many others. Look at North Korea. North Korea is developing missiles like nobody has ever seen. And we better do something rather quickly with them, hopefully through negotiation. But we better do something rather quickly with them. Russia What if, on, on the North Korean front, what if the North Koreans don't play ball, develop uh, a nuclear capability, go forward with their missile development? Does the United States act unilaterally? Excuse me. If, if spoken to correctly, correctly, they will play ball. Look, on another front, what happened recently where <laughs> Clinton has asked our, our trade, our so-called trade partners, to come so we can renegotiate some fairness into trade, right? They don't show up. They say we're not coming. Why would Germany show up? Why would France show up? Why would Japan show up? They've been ripping us off for years, so why would they come here? It's ridiculous. So it shows the lack of respect for the United States where he asked for a meeting, a summit, and nobody shows. Pretty sad, Wolf. Is, but is there something the United States should be thinking about doing as far as North Korea's potential nuclear development? Absolutely. That it's they should be thinking about it. And frankly, like what? Know, Give me an example. I'll, I'll say this. You go in, you start negotiating. And if you don't stop them from doing it, you will have to take rather drastic actions. Because if you don't take them now, you're going to be in awfully big trouble in five years from now when they have more missiles than we do. We're a bunch of saps. There's no question that North Korea is developing missiles. We give them nuclear power plants. We give them tremendous aid because we thought we could bribe them into stop development. Well, they're developing. So much so that South Korea is now developing their own missile systems in order to protect. And I'm, almost, I'm, I'm really not sure I can blame them. But North Korea is totally out of control. And would you rather have a very, very serious chat with them now? And if necessary, you might have to do something fairly drastic. Or would you rather have to go after them in five years when they have more nuclear warheads and missiles than we do. When you say something fairly drastic, that sounds like you're suggesting a potential Israeli-like uh, unilateral strike against the Osirak reactor in Iraq in the, uh, in the 80s. You can never rule it out. What Israel did was fantastic, and you can never rule it out. And you know what? If you ruled it out, you couldn't talk to them. Why would they? The only thing they're afraid of is exactly what you just said. That's what they're afraid of. That's what they're concerned with. You'll most likely, with that attitude, be able to make a deal. But if you can't, you have to react. And let me tell you something. Don't react in five years, because if you react in five years, nothing's going to be left. You don't have to worry about your Social Security system anymore. <laughs> you know, you see there you how go, smart guys. he talks, man? I'm sorry? I, I, no, I was saying, do you see how, how smooth he talks? He goes, you make them listen or there will be a drastic price to pay. What do you think he's talking about? You know what I mean? Well, at the, at the, at the particular point in time, uh, he was talking, I believe he was talking about is what are the options that we would have as a nation in order to stop their development? And that would be, um, and I, I wrote a story about this six months ago, eight months ago, about the, the option is first a blockade, second you use B-2 bombers and, and, and fighters and Tomahawk missiles, and in a matter of a relatively short period of time, 
you you eliminate his entire offensive capability, and uh, the only thing you leave standing is the nuclear power plants. You take out his silos, his missiles, the B2s, uh, because they have the ability to redirect missiles that are in flight uh, would be better than the B1s. So you don't have to put troops on the ground to, to bring this regime down to its knees. Um, that technology is there today, and we have the, we have the fleet necessary to do that. Um, but I, 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 I don't think, I, I don't, the reason why there may, may, operative word, may, I'm saying it again, may, be some credibility to this story is that, that Kim now believes that Mr. Trump could be very serious. Right. I'll tell you, if yeah. Obama was president, Kim Jong-un wouldn't be feeling this way that he is today. I can promise everybody that. Yeah, that's, uh, no, there's, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, I was... I was I that what, it's, like, it's like I did a bunch of interviews last week over the, uh, the opening of the embassy in Israel. And I said to people, and I've been saying it for months and months and months, is when Mr. Trump said he was going to comply with the law passed by the Congress to recognize that Jerusalem and four presidents could never do that. Um, but, the, but the point here is that <clears throat> he told the world up front he was going to move the embassy to, to Jerusalem. He told everybody up front he was going to do that, and then he went ahead and did it. The difference here. <clears throat> that Donald Trump was hired by the American people to be an agent of change. That's and right. that's what he's doing. He's an agent of change. And, and he's doing what he promised the American people he would do and what they wanted him to do. They want, they uh, want the a... security. They want to be secure and safe. They don't want to have another nation like Kim, who's unpredictable and uncrollable, have constantly threatening the America, whether it's whether it's Guam or whether it's Hawaii or whether it's the East yeah. Coast or West Coast or with with the nuclear attack. We don't need that. That's right. Period. A- absolutely. What one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And and don't you you know I, I want to move topics you know uh, in a se- in a second, Dan, but. Real quick, and, and, and Gianni, if you want to respond as well after I say something real quick, then go ahead. Be, um, I'd, love, I'd love for you to, but um, real quick, um, Dan, you know, don't you, think, don't you think, like, Kim Jong-un, it's a lot of talk in terms of when he makes his threats. I mean, he's not, you know, we saw his father, you know, make a lot of threats, and most of the time never acted on them, if he ever, if he ever acted on them, but... You know, it's just a lot of talk. It's like trash talk. Well, that's one way to characterize it. Understand that the the trash talk has been emboldened by the leadership of the United States not reacting to every time he breaks an agreement. When you right. don't, when you don't stick by your guns, it's just yep. like Obama when he drew the line in the sand. In Syria, the world waited to see what he was going to do. And when he didn't do anything, 
his credibility as a, a, a true leader of the American people and and when he refused to enforce his own red line, he lost, he became a paper tiger. And that's why, that's why when Assad used the biological weapons on his people for the second time, the most critical thing that had to come out of this is for the world to see whether or not Mr. Trump, who promised a year ago when they used it, there would be a retaliation. They did it again. Whether or not Mr. Trump was going to be an Obama paper tiger or was he going to be somebody different? And when he responded with the cruise missiles and the and the, the B-1 and B-2 bombers and, and taking out all of the, the facilities, he responded. And that, I believe at the time, and I've written about that, that that was, that was an People do not understand how important that action was. In fact, it was not very important to the country of Syria, but it was very important to a message to Mr. Kim and a message to the Ayatollah in Tehran. Yeah, very, very well, very well said. Um, I. Um... Uh, if anybody wants to respond, uh, Gianni or Mike, uh, but I want to move topics uh, fairly quickly. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I totally believe his stories, you know, because just seeing how quick, you know, Kim Jong-un switched, you know, it's just, you know, being saying, I'm, I'm going to denuclearize it, I'm going to show you I'm going to denuclearize it, and, you know, end the war with North and South Korea, it's just like, I think, that story is very credible because there's just no way overnight he's just like, you know what, I'm just sick and tired of this. I'm going, I'm not going to talk any more junk. It had to be some kind of force or, you know, some kind of military action that actually had or, you know, secret service action that actually um, made Kim Jong-un change his mind, you know, with the whole red dot, you know, and things like that. I really believe that. But there, there's one more half of that. If it was if it was a threat being made by say Obama, Kim Jong Un, I can promise you, would not be fearful. But it's the man, Donald Trump, who he fears. Trump is unpredictable. Trump is strong. Trump is not politically correct. Trump sends out tweets calling him fat, saying he has a bigger gu- uh, bigger uh, button on his desk. So it's not an empty pro- it's not an empty threat, is what I'm saying. If it was an empty threat. Uh, I can promise you Kim Jong-un would not be acting as swiftly, you know, a, a, you know, as just such a dramatic change because it's Trump. He fears Trump, and Trump is not bullshitting. That's, I mean, I could just see it. I could see it. Again, I know the story is not, you know, 100%, you know, verified and all that, and I get that. But it just fits with Donald Trump. This is not an empty, uh, this is not an empty suit. Trump does not play games. Exactly. I believe the bomb. I believe the bomb in Syria, you know, was part of that warning to Kim Jong Un. It was kind of like a message, like, "Hey, I'm not yes. joking around. If you mess with us, we will mess with you back. We're not and Obama. That, that was the point that I was trying to make. That was the point that I was trying to make. Is that the yes. the bombing in Syria wasn't so much about the bombing in Syria as was as the fact that. That President Trump was sending a clear message to Kim and to Iran 
Don't mess with us. Period. Right. Right. Shot heard around the world. And and I want to. I okay. So I want to move on. Um, uh, very well said, though, guys. Very well said. That was a great discussion. Um, you know, I I just want to say a few things. Um, there were, were reports today in the Democratic primaries around the nation a very poor turnout, not a lot of enthusiasm for uh, Democrats. The the, the 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 very low, which is good. Which is good. Um, I also want to announce. Um, let me see here. Okay, I want. I really want to talk about with you, Dan, and I'm going to play this quick clip. Uh, Gaza and uh, you know the Palestinians uh, and the, and them invading, uh, you know, trying to invade Israel and uh, trying to you know intrude on something that's not theirs, Palestine. But I want to play this clip real quick, and then I want to get into this because this is uh, you know very a uh, hot topic right now. More violence along the Israel-Gaza border, sparking an emergency U.N. meeting after more than 50 people were killed in clashes. That's right, but the violence not enough to overshadow the new U.S. Embassy opening in Jerusalem. And that's where we find David Lee Miller with more on the historic event. Hi, David. Good morning, Julian. It was a day of mixed emotion. Israelis celebrated the relocation of the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Outraged Palestinians held mass demonstrations in protest. Monday's death toll in Gaza was the highest since a clash with Israel in 2014. 58 Palestinians were killed, among them an eight-month-old baby who died of uh, inhalation from tear gas. More than 2,700 Palestinians were wounded. Many of the demonstrators tried to breach the border fence with Israel. The Israeli military warned protesters that the consequences could be deadly. Israel says its actions were justified and rejects criticism of using excessive force. Authorities say Hamas, which is in control of Gaza, tried to use the demonstrations to carry out shootings and bombings at the border while using civilians as human shields. About two million people live in Gaza. Movement in and out is restricted. The unemployment rate is more than 40 percent. Aid workers say conditions there are deteriorating. The, demonstration, the demonstrators were protesting the opening of the U.S. Embassy in Jerusalem. Hamas has called for more demonstrations today to mark the 70th anniversary of Israel's founding. As of now, a smaller number of protesters are expected to take part. During yesterday's embassy dedication ceremony, there were a few references to the violence taking place 50 miles away. The mood for the most part, though, was festive with those in attendance given red and blue baseball caps with the embassy logo. The U.S. delegation included more than a dozen senators and congressmen, as well as the president's daughter, Ivanka, and her husband, Jared Kushner. President Trump delivered a pre-recorded message reaffirming his decision, recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. And the Israeli Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, called it a glorious day. Thank you, President Trump, for having the courage to keep your promises. Thank you, President Trump, and thank you all for making the alliance between America and Israel stronger than ever. A senior Palestinian leader said that the relocation of the embassy means the end of America's role in brokering any type of peace process. In addition to moving the embassy, President Trump, uh, while campaigning, pledged that he would deliver what he called the ultimate peace deal. Administration officials say that that uh, uh, proposal is now nearly complete. Back to you. Mm, okay, amazing to see the difference between the... So there you go. So, you know, I have a lot of uh, thoughts on this real quick. I, I want to, you know, um, 
state that who the who the hell do these Palestinians and these Gaza folks think they are intruding on a land and property that is not theirs? First of all, that's basically what they're doing, what they're protesting. They are warned. And, and now there's the liberal media that are sympathizing and giving all of this, uh, you know, emotional uh, attention to these protesters, of Pal- the Palestinians, Palestinians, that they were warned uh, by the Israeli, you know, um, and we all know they were warned. And, you know, what happens if you try to intrude on another country that's not yours and at the border? You're going to get shot down. So the fact that networks like CNN and MSNBC are trying to portray the Palestinians as victims and the Israelis as the bad guys, um, the, 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 Israeli, the Israelis were only trying to protect their, what, what is their own. It's just like when a burglar breaks into your house, and you protect your, your home and your family. It's no different. And, you know, how dare uh, the Palestinians, uh, you know, with their intrusions? I mean, it's, it's disgraceful. Your thoughts, Dan? Well, first of all, uh, understand that if you saw any of the film that was shot by the news media on the, on the invaders, um, women and children, uh, young men, boys, uh, some adult males, um, but a mixed bag of people that were kind of wandering around trying to figure out what to do. I saw uh, a number of tires thrown on fires to create smoke, and this wasn't an. Well, army. What were they doing there in the uh, first place? You know, what like people were there. They were, That's they their were, pro. You know. They were there because their leaders told them to go there, and they follow what their leaders tell them to do. They're brainwashed. Again, it goes yeah. back to this discussion. Goes back to the discussion that Mr. Trump is a change agent, and a change agent are, is this is a person who's responsible for changing the status quo. The status quo in the Middle East for decades have been ongoing discussions about the Palestinian state and that they needed to give up portions of Israel and that Jerusalem should be a divided city. And and that's been the rhetoric that's been discussed from at least three to four administrations, if not longer, in this country, not facing the issue. It's exactly the same issue that Trump said the way we have been working or trying to work with North Korea is that we continually have kicked the can down the road as opposed to accepting the responsibility and make the decisions, the hard decisions, and implement those decisions. And what Trump is doing, he's saying, look, uh, this situation is going nowhere. And to continue the status quo of all of this rhetoric that's not doing anything is not solving any problems. So let's change things up. Let's take a new direction, a new policy. I mean, I've said in in many, many interviews, Jerusalem – 
was the capital of the Jewish people a thousand years before Christ. A thousand years before Christ walked on this earth. So the idea that it shouldn't be the capital of the Jewish state, it's got 3,000 years of history supporting that position. But uh, again, we're dealing with a politically correct world where the left wants to favor the Palestinians and the Iranians and the North Koreans and the Chinese and... They used to want to favor the Russians, but don't do that anymore. Now, but now, here, they may go back thing, to that. He, he, real, real quick, and then I, I'll let Zolo and Gianni respond. But, you know, yes, war uh, in a war, a war is a war. You know, you have to choose. And these Palestinians were, some of them were attacking the Jews uh, yesterday, and that's why these Jewish guards were shooting down the Palestinians. You got to in a war. You got to choose. You're gonna protect your own people, or are you gonna, or are you gonna protect the other people? And if people get shot down, that's just a part of what happens. I mean, that's 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 on the that's combat because you know if you violate what Israeli guards and, and law officials in, in Israel put forth, you're gonna to have to deal with the natural consequences. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a yeah. question. Yeah. Because what, what, what's happening here is that you're saying that Israel has the right to define its border and protect its border from invasion, right? Absolutely, just like America, just like the United so, States. Okay, let me ask you the question. Do yeah. we have the right, if we have troops on the border and we are, we are going to have hundreds if not thousands of illegals coming towards us, and they want to cross the border, do we have the right to use deadly force to drive them away? No, this, that, that's different. They, these people were attacking the Jews, and they were being hostile and violent. A, a lot of them were. And if we see that on the Mexican border, them being violent, you're goddamn right those Mexicans will be shot in the head. You're goddamn right. If they're being violent and hostile and being aggressive, take them out. hmm Okay. I just, I just wanted to ask the question. Do? I mean, you're going to risk no, your I'm, life? I'm, I'm, I'm asking the question because I wanted to see if we changed the, if we changed it to change the situation that America's border be, yeah. is being, is being attacked. Would, would we physically being attacked? Would we be yeah. justified in firing on them to, to repel them? I think you we know should. Uh, Absol- absolutely. And at this point, at this point, you know, we got to stop. We got to stop caring what the what the media says and what the media thinks and and the, how the media reacts and how these politicians in D.C. react. You know, Trump is going to do what's right. Don't worry what everybody else around him is telling him and all that stuff. You know what I mean? I agree. Like every other, like every other past president has. Mm-hmm. But um, I always I, I said this on the show. Uh, yesterday, and obviously yeah. Dan knows this, but I, I, people on the left, they seem to not understand, especially the leftist media. They just can't seem to comprehend that Israel, okay, you don't have, you know, look, you don't have to agree with everything Israel does all the time. I, I like, I support Israel, and the embassy should have been there a long time ago, and Jerusalem is yeah. the capital. 
But here's yeah. the facts, okay? Israel is the size of New Jersey, and it is surrounded by hell on earth and Muslim savages yeah. that want to kill them. So, look, you have Iran, okay, saying that Israelis are the, the descendants of apes and pigs, death to America, wow. and Israel doesn't have the right to exist. You have the Palestinians trying to get over the borders of Israel. And by the way, uh, I see some liberals saying, oh, this, we, we agree that the embassy should be in Jerusalem, but this was the wrong time. Bullshit. Guess what? If Trump did this a year from now, they would still act this way. They hate the Jews. They hate Israel. And any time Trump was going to do this move, there was going to be a clash. That is just a fact. But this notion that Israel is this big, bad, you know, yes, they are, they are sided with us, the United States, the most powerful military in the world. But this notion that they're these, like, big bullies is absurd. They are surrounded by literally Muslim savages, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran that wants them off the earth. And, and let's face it, you know, Muslims don't like Jews. They, they don't. I'm not, talk, I'm not saying don't. all Muslims, but many Muslims don't. So I'm just trying to get the point out to the left that they, they, they need to understand that the Palestinians aren't the victims here. Israel is. Israel is the state is the size of the state of New Jersey, and they are surrounded by literally hell on earth. So I think people need to really think about that before they start siding with all these people, um, not really not recognizing the size, uh, you know, of Israel. I think you have to have to add one other factor in there is that the religion. There are parts of the of the Muslim religion that specifically prohibit true Muslims from assimilating with Christians and Jews. Right. And it's been that way from the beginning of the religion. It's not That's something new. Point. It's it's just part of it's part of what they believe and the way they act and the way they think. And that's the way they've been brought up for centuries. I want to, by the way, real ahead. quick, Maurice, just one second, just to answer Dan's question that he asked you. Um, I know it sounds harsh and it sounds crazy, but if there is an invasion of illegal aliens storming our borders, bringing drugs, bringing crime, um, gangsters, gang members, MS-13, uh, I know it's not the popular thing to say, but yeah, they should be taken out because we need to protect our country. That's our yeah, well, agreed. So I just wanted to put that out. No, he agreed with me. I I think uh, I think Dan agreed. Didn't you, Dan? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Oh no, absolutely. I know. I know. I, he does. I, yeah, we have the right to yeah, defend well, our border. If we're going, Gianni, if, yep. if we are. Oh yeah, go ahead. If we're going to. If we're going to realize, like many European nations are now realizing, that a definable, defendable border is one of the ways that they can deal with the influx of illegals coming into their country, yeah, we, should so. be, we should be learning from what the Europeans have learned at a very high price. Right. Absolutely. 100, 100%. We have about five minutes left. I do want to talk about a few more things. Um, Okay. Gianna, you want to respond real quick? Uh, yeah, I was going to say two things. Number one, this really exposes the whole Trump quick. white supremacy, white supremacy and Charlottesville thing because he wouldn't make this move if he hated Jews. Number two, I like Ronald Reagan's quote: "Peace is not the absence of conflict; 
It is the ability to handle conflict by peaceful means. So I believe that even though we're, we're going to have war regardless of, you know, what move we make. Uh, so, I, But I believe it's going to achieve peace uh, in the final process, actually. Okay. Very well said. Very well said. What? Okay, so, Dan, what, what I want to move on to, what I really want to ask, um, you know, this is something that is, just came out today. And, you know, if it – this is illegal. Um, reports indicate the FBI and CIA had a secret source spying on the Trump campaign. Your thoughts on that? That's disturbing. Very disturbing. It it it's it smacks of J. Edgar Hoover. You're too young I mean, to know who J. Edgar Hoover was, but he he kept a he was the, the the founder and the head of the FBI for decades. FBI, yeah. He, he, yeah, FBI, yeah. He kept he kept records on all major politicians, and he had all the dirt on them, and he could do whatever he wanted. And uh, and so what we we kind of I thought we got rid of him, but but maybe we didn't get rid of him, and, and so we have people <laughs> people who decided. That that the best thing that they could do was to have an operative planted inside the Trump campaign, just to keep abreast of what was going on and what was being said. Um, that's the government, the federal government spying on the political process. That's basically not what this country is about. It's yeah, it's it's it's, 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 it's not what we are. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got I've got a piece that's coming out on Constitution.com tomorrow, where I talk about draining the swamp water in the Justice Department and the FBI because it's getting darker and that's filthier. Right. And and I, and I really believe I I I am I I cannot I cannot fathom how uh, we have an attorney general who continues the process of protecting Hillary Clinton and yep. Barack Obama from all the things that Barack they've done. Barack Osama. I don't under, I don't, I still don't understand why uh, Jeff Sessions has not uh, called for a special prosecutor or somebody to have an open investigation into the activities of the of the Clinton Foundation, and you know, there's an issue that, that a real simple fundamental issue that all of your audience can understand. Yeah, the we Congress of, of the people. United. We have a couple. We have a couple. We have, we have thousands of people listening. So please, please. So we have we have a case where the Congress of the United States sent a subpoena to Hillary Clinton for 33,000 emails, which she erased after she got the subpoena. Yep. That's that's a felony. That's a felony. If anybody else did did what she did, they'd be in prison for the rest of their life. Right. And James Comey, James Comey rewrote, and a lot of people don't know this, in order to exonerate her, he wrote and used a word that is not in the statutes. 
he decided that he would interpret, and that's the word, interpret about the minute intent. And, a half left. and he, his determination was that she didn't intend to break the law. You do not, you do not get a subpoena from the Congress for 33,000 emails and destroy sure. them and the equipment, the, the phones and the computers, break them up with hammers, wash the systems yeah. with bleach. Yeah. When you've got a subpoena from the Congress and you've committed a felony and you exactly. have no penalty. Exactly. And, you know, we have about 50, we have 50 seconds, but real quick, you know, I, this whole spying thing, it, it, it's, it, it all goes back to the FBI, you know, Hillary Clinton's involved with all, with all of this, you know, Robert Mueller, Comey. It's just that they're all in bed together. Mhm. You're right. It is. I did a piece recently. I did a piece recently in what you what you are seeing in the FBI, and specifically in the Assistant Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. You are seeing the personification of the Washington elite, who are above the law. Yep. Well, well said. Um, We are out of time, but. you know, I really want you, Dan, to come back on. We'll have you back on uh, next week. We want to have a lot more discussions with you. Um, I want to thank I want to thank you, Dan, uh, for coming on. I we really appreciate it. Anything you want to announce? Go ahead. No, it's uh, I'm I'm I don't know whether I told you that uh, I, my books have been banned real by quick, Facebook. Real quick, real quick. Facebook has banned my, the sale of my books, advertising for all of my books. And okay. um, we can talk about that next week. Perfect. Yeah, we know all yeah. your books. Dan Perkins, you can look him up on social media. Mike Zolo, you have him on social media. And Gianni Rodriguez Paris on Facebook, everybody. God, Thanks, God bless all of you guys. I'll, I'll talk to you later. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Rory Sauter Show. Um, we will be back with you tomorrow night. God bless everyone. Uh, take care. Cheers, everybody. Oh, and please visit my website, the DonaldJTrumpStore.com, for all your amazing, unique uh, quality and creative apparel, as well as visit MakingChristianityGreatAgain.com for all your re- religious-oriented uh, President Trump apparel. And uh, visit Rory Sauter TV as well, so you can check out all my stuff. Uh, Have a blessed night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Rory Sauter. Cheers.